This is Doug Hastings, Vice President of Moody Radio, and we're thankful for support from our listeners and businesses like United Faith Mortgage. Mortgage commercials are rarely exciting. So to make it slightly more interesting, here are my nieces to do it for me. So interest rates continue to drop like my sister's baby teeth. Come on, Uncle Ryan had to say the same thing last year. That's true. Last year, it was rates are boring talk historically low. And now this year, there's somehow even more boring talk historically lower than the previous boring talk historically low. Sounds boring. But for so many listeners who just haven't wanted to deal with it, refinancing right now could save you massive amounts of Lego sets. Rates have gotten that low. Some borrowers could potentially save hundreds monthly and tens and tens of thousands over the life of a loan. And if you didn't put 20% down before, some could even stop having to pay PMI. Give Uncle Ryan a shot. We are United Faith Mortgage. United Faith Mortgage is a DBA of United Mortgage Corp. 25 Melville Park Road, Melville, New York. Licensed Mortgage Banker. For all licensing information, go to nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Corporate NMLS number 1330. Equal housing lender. Not licensed in Alaska, Hawaii, Georgia, Massachusetts, North Dakota, South Dakota, and Utah. You're listening to the Today in the Word radio podcast. This week, we bring you a four-part series of messages Alistair Begg presented at MBI Spiritual Emphasis Week 1991. Then, we'll close the week Friday with a message from Alistair titled, Revival Soul. Alistair Begg is the senior pastor of Cleveland's Parkside Church. He's an author, conference speaker, and host of the daily Truth for Life radio program. Now, here's Alistair Begg on Today in the Word radio. I invite you to take your Bibles and we'll turn together this morning to the epistle of James, James chapter 1. And as you're turning there, may I just respond to what is a very kind and generous welcome. It's a great privilege to be here at Moody. It was as a small boy in Glasgow that I professed faith in Jesus Christ after coming home from a Sunday school meeting in one of the buildings which were erected following the crusades of Uh, D.L. Moody and Sankey at the turn of the century. And there in Glasgow, unbeknown to an unsuspecting Sunday school teacher, I'm sure, who went home to wonder whether anybody listened to a thing she'd said, I came to faith in Christ at the uh, side of the chair led there by my father. And to be here this morning and to have the privilege of opening the Word is a profound uh, one, and I do not take it lightly. And I want to read from the section which begins with the 19th verse of James chapter 1. My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. 
If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. The verses which are under our consideration this morning uh, will not be these that we probably most likely anticipate, namely those which begin with verse 22, do not merely listen to the word, but do what it says, but rather the three often skimmed over verses, at least in my study, which uh, are from verse 19 to verse 21. My earnest hope this morning is that in some measure this study will help to reinforce the general theme of this week. I understand it to be that we are thinking of revival according to God's Word. And it is with that whole area of the Word of God that I think we're going to be challenged this morning in relation to all of the ministry from the pulpit here. I don't want to be guilty of pressing into service something which doesn't necessarily relate I recall buying a suede jacket as a a teenage boy at the age of uh, 16 in Leeds in Yorkshire. I wanted a suede jacket so badly that in a store I found this jacket. I put it on my back. It was about a size 42 made for an American and not for a wee 38 Scotsman. But I wanted the jacket so badly that I can remember walking around the store saying to my mother, it fits, it fits, it really fits. And uh, maybe after this message this morning, you'll find me walking around the corridors going, it fits, it fits, it really fits. Uh, You may not think it fits at all, but I hope in some measure it will reinforce the theme. Isn't it interesting, probably at this point in the juncture of human history, in the realm of conservative evangelicalism, fundamentalism in America, in the Western world, we probably now have more tapes, more books, more videos, more slide presentations, more means of imbibing the Word of God than has ever been available to any generation in the history of the church. So the question is this, why is it that we are the way we are. It simply cannot be answered beginning at verse 22. Many of us have thought many times about how we need to move from the realm of listening into the realm of activity. And so we have chided ourselves and we've sought to go out and do it and do it and do it. But still, in the frenetic activity of our lives, there seems to be so little progress, such little heartbeat, so little of that which we would genuinely describe as a movement of the Spirit of God within the soul of a man or of a woman. The issue that the Scriptures address us with this morning is this. What does it mean to humbly accept the Word planted in us? My concern is not that we think about the effectiveness or the ineffectiveness of people's ability to communicate, but rather that we examine this whole area of the way in which the Word of God is received. 
James has said in verse 18 that the word is the agent of our regeneration. It is through the word of truth that God has chosen to give us birth. And he then goes on in the following verses to make clear that it is through this same word that God chooses to quicken us and to enable our spiritual growth. Now that is the broad area of our study. I want to acknowledge one further thing before I proceed, and that is the debt that I owe in my own personal study and preparation to one who remains a mentor and a guide and a friend to me who is far from here this morning, Derek Prime, who was pastor for 20 years of Charlotte Chapel in Edinburgh and with whom I was pleased to serve as assistant for two years. Much of what I now share has been more than a little influenced by his persuasive ability with the Scriptures. And it's very important that the acknowledgement is made. You know that uh, pastors are very guilty of preaching other people's sermons, don't you? Uh, the, The little doggerel goes, you know, Spurgeon was reckoned to be one of the great preachers. He was referred to affectionately as Spurgey. And the doggerel goes, there once was a preacher called Spurgey who really detested liturgy. But his sermons are fine, and I use them as mine, and so do most of the clergy. (laughs) Well, the good parts in this are owed to God and mine's better than my own. I'm going to give you three broad areas to be coat hangers, as it were, for us in holding our thoughts. First of all, I want to state a principle, and then I would like to expound the principle, and then finally in the moments that remain, perhaps even in silence, we'll ask that God the Holy Spirit will apply the principle to our lives. The principle simply stated would be this. Spiritual progress, and I feel more comfortable with those two words rather than the word revival this morning, spiritual progress is directly related to the proper reception of the seed of God's Word in the soul of the believer. Our progress with God, our deepening in grace, our effectiveness in ministry may not be gauged in the number of books on our shelves, nor the number of tapes we have listened to, nor the amount of times we sit under the Word, but will be directly correlative to the way in which the Word is received within our souls, the internalization of truth made actual by the Spirit of God. The biblical record makes this clear. Christian biography makes it obviously so. And I think that our own spiritual experience would testify to this truth. You remember when God spoke to his servant Joshua in Joshua chapter 1, considering the place of his law, his word, in the life of his servant. This is what he said, Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. And then he went on to say, Don't let this book of the law depart from your mouth, but meditate upon it day and night, so that you might be careful to do all the things that are written in it. The psalmist answered his own question when he asked in Psalm 119, How will a young man keep his way pure? 
Then he replied, by giving heed according to your word. So that's the premise this morning, that the progress in the faith is directly related to the way in which you and I receive the word. Now, the sub-premise, if you like, would be this. It is an observable fact that the same seed does not bring about the same results in everybody's soul. A great crowd of people may sit under the word week by week. This explains why people may sit in a congregation under the faithful ministry of the word. Some of them grow by leaps and bounds. Some of them are going on for God. And others of them seem to be stuck somewhere on the progress of the spiritual plane. Now, the answers to that problem will be manifold and myriad, but one of the keys to it, according to what James is saying here, is simply this, that the the seed of the Word of God needs to take root in soil that is ready to receive it. I wonder this morning if you would like just to think of application all the way through, whether you might ask yourself this question— What is the soil condition of my soul today? What is the soil condition of my soul? I don't know a great deal about farming. As I drove through um, Indiana along with my wife yesterday, I noticed these huge big uh, uh, irrigation things on wheels. (laughs) And presumably somebody rolls those mammoth creatures across those crops. But you know, they can roll those babies, as you say here. (laughs) They can roll them up and down and back and forth and water and water and water. But there is a fundamental factor which will be directly related to the crop which comes, and that is the acidity or the alkalinity of the soil. And you may have been at 40 of these Founders Weeks and maybe no further on with God than when you attended the 20th one. And the issue is the acidity of the soul, of the soil of the soul, or the alkalinity of it. That's the whole parable of the sower, isn't it? Which we find in the Synoptic Gospels at different points. Well, let's move on from there to the principle as it is expounded by James. First of all, let's look at it uh, negatively in terms of attitudes or areas of behavior which James says need to be removed if the soil of our soul is going to be ready to receive and benefit from God's Word as it is proclaimed. Areas that are in need of attention. We shouldn't overlook the fact that James, as he moves into this uh, section in verse 19, speaks with great warmth, you will notice, my dear brothers. He speaks widely, everyone should be. And he also speaks wisely, saying, take note of this, or get a hold of this, or underline this in your thinking. Before the Word of God can be given an effective welcome, hindering sin must be given a swift rejection. 
And this is what I want to suggest to you this morning, as God has impressed this on my own spirit, is perhaps an often overlooked missing link in the progress that we long to make with God. That we think that having sat under the ministry of the Word and oftentimes adjudicated on it, we are now able to go out and apply it. Not so. Not unless there has been the kind of humble reception which has been marked by the rejection of that which impedes our progress. Three things which will harm the reception of the Word. First of all, anger. Anger. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Did you notice that in the Moody uh, Bible reading this morning? I hope you used that. It was recommended last night, picked up on the way out, and pressed into service this morning, right? And you read it there in 1 Samuel and in Psalm 42, and we had this whole area of anger where, and uh, I needn't rehearse it for you because I don't have time, and you should have read it yourselves in any case. But there is a point in there about anger. And as my wife and I read it this morning, uh, she said to me when it was concluded, aren't you glad you didn't get angry with the lady at the reception desk? And I had hoped that she wouldn't mention that because that's exactly what I was thinking when I read the application. (laughs) Because when I woke up early in the morning and went in the bathroom, I decided it would be good to shave. Although, given from now till the year 2000, I'd be hard-pressed to grow a beard. But anyway, I do it every morning. <laughs> and, uh, and I went in the back to get the shaving foam, and of course there was no shaving foam. And so I had a little talk with my wife about why the shaving foam wasn't in the bag. After all, what are wife's for? And uh, uh, <laughs> she said she put it in, and I said she didn't. And actually she did, and I took it out and, and threw it away because I... I thought I needed a fuller one. But anyway, I found a lady down the stairs, and and I said, you know that lovely little sign you have welcoming me in the bathroom about uh, if you've forgotten anything, we're so glad to provide it for you? I said, well, here I am. I said, it's five to six, and how does shaving foam sound to you? Well, immediately I got canned music, and she left me. She came back, and she said, now wouldn't you just imagine this? We have no shaving foam, and we have no toothpaste. And I said, that is the most disappointing news I've had today. And and I said, thank you. And I put the phone down. Now, the only reason I can tell you that this morning is because that's one of the good ones. And uh, if you want to to talk with me afterwards, I've got about another 25 of the bad ones. But you know something? angry men and women who stride through life, as it were, with their chins jutting forward, who approach people and approach the Word and even approach their church fellowships with a kind of mentality that is almost looking for a fight, will never, never, ever know the reviving work of the Spirit of God within their hearts and souls until first they've dealt with that. Angry men and women will not be able to humbly receive the Word that is planted in them. And a strong and persistent feeling of indignation will never go hand in hand with a rich benefit from the Scriptures. 
And it is for this reason that many who ran the Christian life well are nowhere today. And we wonder why it is. Why was that man who was such a great help to me in my youth, why is it that I never see him now? He seems to talk so little of Christ. You know the answer in some cases? Anger. Angry men and angry women. We arrive at church angry. And we wonder why we do not benefit from the Word. And we go home afterwards and we give the pastor marks out of ten and give everybody else that was sitting around us marks out of a hundred. And we say we heard it before and it wasn't poured out the way we usually like it. And there were too many illustrations or not enough illustrations or too long or too short or We go up in our bedrooms and we close the door and we face ourselves in the mirror and we look into the face of anger. Do you know that anger is probably one of the great crucial areas in all the people that we have occasion to counsel with without they ever know it? Deep-seated anger, like an acid in the soil of the soul. It has to go for humble acceptance of the word. A lady once came to Billy Sunday, and she said to him that she had a bad temper. But she says, Billy Sunday, at least it's over in a minute. And Billy Sunday looked at her and said, so is a shotgun blast. It is over in a second, but look at the damage it can do. Oh, well, I just get angry every so often, and that's just the way I am, and people will just have to live with it. Yes, maybe that's the way you've categorized it, and I can play that game too. But you wonder why the Word seems to come without that soil-breaking vitality. It might be right here. Secondly and quickly, the area not only of angry men and women, but dirty men and women. The problem of moral filth in the believer's life. That preparedness to play fast and loose with the things which the Bible says are even a shame that to be talked of which are done by them in secret. The gradual attrition of our effective lifestyle because of the encroachment of moral filth. Look at what he says. Get rid of all moral filth. You want to humbly receive the the Word of God? You better get deal with your anger. You want to humbly receive the Word of God? Make sure that you're not playing in the realm of moral filth. Dirty hands are as a result of dirty business, right? You go out and you do something in your garage or in your your garage, and you... you, fool around out there for a while and you come in and and your hands reveal where you've been. Loved ones, this morning, to God, our hearts and our minds reveal where we've been. And one of the great burdens for my soul in this generation is to look out on the lives of young men and women especially who are playing on the fences of life with a little of the morality of the world here and a lifestyle about which Scripture calls us to hear, and they wonder why they make such little progress. You cannot have this and this. This must go, and Christ must be all. 
And we will never have revival in dirty minds. We will never have revival in dirty lives. We will never have revival in dirty churches that tolerate sin, refuse to exercise discipline, do not lay hold of what Scripture says. And we cry for God to come from heaven. And he looks down and he says, wouldn't you first humbly receive my word? Get rid of anger. Forget those suggestive stories, silly conversations with people of the opposite sex, playing with other people's eyes as we speak to them, fouling up the soil of our souls. The third area he addresses is the area of evil that is so prevalent. I wonder, are you still with me? Humble acceptance of the word is directly related to the soil of our souls. The acidity of our souls will be marred by anger, by moral filth, and by the encroachment of an evil world. Jesus makes it perfectly plain how we're to deal with that. In John 17, the boat has to be in the water, but the water hasn't to be in the boat. We need to live out a lifestyle that marks us is radically different in a day of shifting values. And we need to beware of succumbing to the kind of pressure that the world offers. Let me just illustrate it from 2 Peter chapter 2, and I won't read all of this, but let me just guide you to it. Perhaps you'd like to read it later on in the day if you have time. 2 Peter chapter 2 deals with false teachers and the destruction which is promised to them. And from about the 10th verse, we have a description of people. Verse 12, these men blaspheme in matters they do not understand. They are like brute beasts, creatures of instinct, born only to be caught and destroyed. And like beasts, they too will perish. Their idea of pleasure is to carouse in broad daylight. They are blots and blemishes, reveling in their pleasures while they feast with you. Possible translation is, while they share in your love feasts. With eyes full of adultery, they never stop sinning. They seduce the unstable. They are experts in greed. They are an accursed breed. They have left the straight way and wandered off to follow the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved the wages of wickedness, and to whom God sent a donkey to get him back on track. That's it dealt with from the negative uh, area. Now, let's move in conclusion this morning to dealing with this issue positively. I'd like, if possible, to finish in that positive way. If our souls are going to be prepared for the humble acceptance of God's Word and need to deal with these things, as James says, how are we then to receive the Word in a way that makes progress for us? Well, first of all, he says, we need to be those who are eager to hear, who are eager to receive the word, who are quick to listen, who are slow to speak. And of course, we've dealt with slow to become angry. People who are eager for the food of God's word. People who love to assimilate it. Not just people who take notes, because sometimes we've got fat wads of notes and a fat absence of progress. But those of us who are engaged in saying, that word is for me. I'm going to chew that word today. I'm going to eat that word today. I'm going to write that in my diary. I will meditate upon it. 
That was the helpful guide given to us again in those Bible readings this morning, that we would take a word, take a phrase, write it on a card, assimilate it into our experience. The adjectives, quick and slow, incidentally, do not describe the nature of our action, but rather the attitude which governs it. In other words, we're not people going around saying, pardon, pardon, quick, I didn't hear you, quick, quick. Or that when we speak, we speak very slowly. It's not that. It is in the attitude. The attitude of our hearts is to be quick to listen and slow to speak. Do you feel the sword of the Spirit come up underneath the ribcage of your life? I do. Because I am quick to speak and slow to listen. I am the reverse by nature of what James says is key to the humble reception of the Word of God in my soul so that I might be revived, as we heard last night, in the midst of the years. We need to be hungry for the Word. May I say a word to you that I feel deeply on my heart? I was rejoicing this morning as I met for breakfast with some of the men, and they were telling me about a church not far from here that has two evening services. Two evening services. Some of you are out there, and you're saying, Man alive, I don't know if I can manage to have one evening service. Now, I don't want to be guilty of being unkind this morning, but uh, there might be just one or two who are here who wouldn't miss Founders Week, but missed maybe last Sunday night's not a good Sunday to choose, eh? That's the bail worship Sunday, foot foot bail. When I was here on an earlier occasion, I met with men all older than me who had been in in America for a long time, and I asked them this question, was it always this way? Was there always such a lethargy in the soul of God's people? Was there always such a profession of rightness on a Sunday morning and such an absence of existence on a Sunday night? Was it always this way that we moved our services to accommodate our boats and our trips and our altered egos and to negate the living Word of God? I don't know about you, but when I play golf, you take me to play golf, we go first thing in the morning. First thing in the morning, we start, we play, we have lunch. And I look at you and you look at me and we say, do you want to play again? And if you live in Scotland and the light shines deep into the night, you have a wee cup of tea and you look into one another's eyes and you say, another 18 holes? (laughs) Why? By an act of parliament? Thou shalt play? No. Within the heart, give me those clubs. Give me that fairway. Give me a decent score for once. But you see, we're, we, we, we lie before God, don't we? We talk about prayer and we don't pray. We talk about the Word and we don't listen. We talk about evangelism and we don't witness. And we say, oh, why are we the way we are? It's obvious. 
You want a practical application? You go back into your church and you make it a fact, an act of sheer discipline, not because it is a law, but because of the liberty of the Spirit of God within your heart, that you will encourage all around you to take your place on the worship of the Lord's day when the Word is proclaimed, when worship is engaged in, and when God's people meet together for fellowship. May the hills and the valleys resound again with a great and cheerful amens which come from the people of God. People who are quick to hear are not those who place the emphasis either upon the one who speaks, but on the word that is spoken. The Boner brothers, tremendous in Scotland in an earlier generation, were hitchhiking through the North Country at one point. And as they made their way on a Saturday, they stopped and they camped and they went into the church that was closest to them on the Sunday morning. Coming out of the church following worship, Andrew turned to Horatius, and he said to him, You know, I didn't get much out of that this morning. And Horatius said to him, If you had been hungry enough, you would have got something to eat. You see, the issue is the hunger in the soul of the believer. You've got a hungry heart this morning. I think you have. Whoa, you're not going to sit through all of this, and then some more, and then some more. I'm preaching to the converted. Well, go out. Be a catalyst. You know, there's people you're with. They're always saying, do you want to get a coffee? Do you want to go for those McDonald's French fries? I mean, they're bad people to have around. (laughs) You might be married to one. (laughs) And and, and inside you say, there's something that just goes up and says, yeah, French fries, French fries, French fries. Well, we want to be the people who say to people, hey, you want to go and feed on the Word of God? Slow to speak is a call to be restrained from hasty and ill-considered reactions to what is heard. Secondly, we need a humble heart. As I've said, it doesn't matter who the preacher is. What matters is that there is a faithful proclamation of the Word of God. We are to accept its authority. We are to receive it gladly. We are to approve it with goodness. We are not to sit in judgment upon it, but we are to sit under the Scriptures and allow it to rule over our lives. We are not to pick and choose what we would like. We are to abide by what it says. We are to be, in short, like the Bereans in Acts 17:11, who were more noble than the Jews in Thessalonica because they examined the Scriptures every day to see if what was said was actually true. To receive the Word of God in this humble way is more than mere acquiescence. It is a definitive, volitional response which involves welcoming the Word within my heart. And thirdly, in this positive way, we need to recognize God's purpose in what He's doing. Get rid of all middle filth and the evil that is so prevalent. Humbly accept the Word of God planted in you, which can save you. What does he mean, which can save you? I thought he said you were saved in verse 18. Now the Word of God's to be received so that it can save you. Well, we need to understand the three tenses of salvation, right? I have been saved from sin's penalty. One day in heaven, I will be saved from sin's presence. And today, I am being saved from sin's power. And how am I saved from the encroaching power of sin? We're back where we started. 
by the Spirit of God, taking the Word of God and implanting it deeply in our souls. Well, how are you going to apply this principle? The principle stated, the principle expounded, and the principle applied. When you fly on these planes, you wonder, don't you? I do. I drove here this week, coward. (laughs) The last day I flew into Chicago, there was a lady behind me. She'd never been on a plane before. It was lovely in Cleveland. We flew out. We got halfway here, and it was deep, deep, deep clouds and fog. And we kept circling round and round O'Hare. And I kept hearing her say to the lady next to her, You know, do you think the guy can see out of the front window? Because I can't see a thing out of here. (laughs) And I was saying, Man alive. I hope he's not looking out of the front window because I can only see those two dingers coming up out of the Sears Tower or whatever it is. That's all I can see. Well, no, he flies by the instruments, and long before he looks at those instruments, he undergoes some instrumentation. He is constantly monitored to test the condition of his life, especially his heart, right? So he has constant cardiographs. Maybe the application here would be that God would give to us in conclusion this morning a kind of spiritual cardiograph to examine the center of our existence, to examine the place where the Word of God is received, and to ask ourselves, as one asked of old, are you in health, my brother? Any acid in the soil? Undue alkalinity? profession of faith that has become orthodox, but cold and metallic, or the kind of husband who's a help to his wife in the walk of faith as he feeds on the Word, the kind of wife who's that encouragement, the kind of single person who wants to be that person. Revival and righteous living go hand in hand. And the righteous living which God desires is directly related to the way the seed of God's Word is received in your soul and in mine. May God grant to us the ability to receive the Word with eagerness. Amen. You've been listening to the Today in the Word radio podcast and a message titled Revival Soil that Alistair Begg delivered based on James 1, 19-22. Alistair Begg is the senior pastor of Cleveland's Parkside Church. He's an author, conference speaker, and host of the daily Truth for Life radio program. Audio copies of this and many other messages from the podcast are available at moodyaudio.com. Join us again next week when we bring you a series of messages William McRae presented at Moody Keswick Bible Conference 1980. Today in the Word Radio is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of the Moody Bible Institute.